welcome to the NC Students Podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. So far, we have dared our friends in week one to put their faith in Jesus. We've learned about the challenge to live gospel-centered, the challenge to live spirit-empowered. And as we've gone along this pathway, all these different challenges, we've been introducing you to different people, telling different stories. Tonight, I want to tell you a little bit about Alexa. Not Alexa, like, Alexa, add this to my shopping list. Alexa, play this playlist. Or I like to just say, Alexa, play music. She comes up with the most random stuff. And I'll be like, well, why? Why would you play that? When have I ever played? Fine. Ugh. So, or she, <laughs> she doesn't understand Pastor Jerome, which is awesome. And it's very funny. Because um, he ends up yelling at her like, you have got to listen. I didn't get that. Like, <laughs> so, but that's not the Alexa we're talking about. It's, it can't be racist. It's, it's, I love you. <laughs> and, and Alexa knows that because Alexa knows everything. She, <laughs> okay, so we digress. So I want to introduce you guys to somebody named Alexa. Um, I don't have a picture of Alexa, so you're going to have to picture in your mind if you do that. Um, so Alexa was a student, and in eighth grade, she decided that she wanted to start a Bible club. So with this Bible club, she was envisioning, you know, like the story that we were talking about a few weeks ago, stories that we've heard about, like all this awesome stuff happening. She planned it out. She prayed about it. And she went to her principal and the principal said, no. And the meeting was over. Like she had this whole presentation and she got as far as, hi, I really would like to start a Bible club on campus. And she started to go into it. And she said, you know, that's not something that we've decided we're going to do. So no. And she walked out of the meeting like, well, that was rude. <laughs> like really frustrated and angry. Like she didn't get to make her case. She didn't, she really thought God was in this. And so she was like, what? Like mad at the school. You can't shut down me sharing the gospel. And so she took some time and prayed about it, but she still kept seeing people at her school that she knew were going through troubling times, difficult times. They were lost without, you know, they didn't have any hope in their lives, all this stuff. And she was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I've got to do something. So she decided to demonstrate the love of Christ through serving people and through helping them. She got this brilliant idea to have no pressure parties. And so instead of, you know, the different parties that people can get invited to where there are things happening there that, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, different things going on, she decided to start these no pressure parties. And she would let people know, hey, this is what we're going to do. We've got music, I'm making food, and it's no pressure. So she let people know this is a no pressure zone. Nothing that shouldn't be happening is going to be happening there. So people started coming, and it was really awesome. She really enjoyed it, and she kind of thought, okay, I'm going to serve them, and they're going to see Jesus in me. And after two years, she was finding herself frustrated. Two years of doing this. Like, she went to her family, got her family all on board because she had to buy groceries for this. She made food. She went out of her way to, um, she did like, they went to the neighborhood pool. They had a movie night at her house. They did games at her house. They did all kinds of crazy stuff. And after two years, one person finally came to church and she was like, God, I am really confused what's going on. 
because I have been sacrificing for people. I have been living out Jesus. But she really felt like every time she would get to the point where she could maybe talk with people about Jesus, she would just be like, oh, this must not be that moment. And so she would hold back. Um, and she found herself really frustrated, kind of like there's got to be more to this whole process. And really, the, like she felt like just something isn't right. And so she started praying about it. And I know that she can't be the only one. I mean, I remember being in high school and trying to live up my Christian walk and thinking, man, I know that people have to see that I'm doing something right. And, and getting frustrated because it wasn't, you know, rubbing off on people. Like the faith wasn't rubbing off on people, um, trying to be a good friend, praying for people, but falling short. And so she started to realize that something wasn't working. I had started to realize when I was going through this, and I, like Alexa and I, we can't be the only people. I know that other people feel that frustration when you think you're doing everything right, but people are just magically saying, I want to go to church with you. And so tonight we're going to discuss making this slightly more personal, taking on a new challenge. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. So if you go to 2 Corinthians, Corinthians is written by who? Does anybody know? Paul, not the Corinthians. He, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, which is people who are in a church in the city of Corinth. So he is spending time describing the gift that Christ has given them, this new life and everything. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, by verse 18, he starts to explain a little bit further. And he says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's a lot of words, and it can kind of sound like a lot. Like you read it the first time and go, what? So here. Paul's breaking it down, and the first thing that he does is he recounts what God has done through Jesus' work on the cross, and he describes reconciliation. This is the mission of God. So he's describing, here's what God's whole point was. God's whole point was to, through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, make everything right between God and man. So Paul's breaking it down here saying God's mission and his goal, he sent Jesus so that people can be reconciled to him. So that reconciliation, big word, that means removing or erasing hostility between two people, groups, or nations. Okay, so the hostility in this definition between God and man would be, anyone? I heard it. Sin. So the sin is the hostility between God and man. Jesus erased the sin by dying on the cross and rising again. He put his righteousness on us through forgiveness, making us right with God. Then he gives us, once we accept this and we accept Christ and he offers this reconciliation to us, then he gives us the mission of sharing that. We become, as Paul says right here, we are now Christ's ambassadors. Does anybody know what an ambassador is? You guys are probably like, I kind of know what an ambassador is. What do you think it is? close, kind of like a king is what she said, but it was actually an ambassador is somebody who represents the king or the ruler in action, in speech, 
often to establish or strengthen relationships. And a lot of times, this was one of the highest ranks in the kingdom or the nation. You are now Christ's ambassadors. You now hold one of the highest ranks in all of the kingdom. That's pretty cool. I mean, I kind of like went, oh, that's awesome, while I was reading this. But see, the way Paul is writing about this in this section is he's not just saying, you are an ambassador of Christ, here's your title, here's your sign. No, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I have a title now. No, he's talking about it in like a, take this on as a verb, like be, do the job of the ambassador. Because the job is slightly more detailed than the letters that compose a title. So he's talking about, you are an ambassador of Christ. So if the ambassador represents the king or the ruler in action speech and establishes or strengthens relationships, often holding one of the highest ranks in the kingdom to be the ambassador of Christ. Oh, wait. The ambassador, their goal was to make the king's mission their mission, right? In speech, in action, and all of that. So then we can kind of draw this conclusion that if we are Christ's ambassadors, going off the definition of what an ambassador is, then we must personally be responsible for the mission of God. Not as in the, it's all up to you. If you fail, the kingdom fails. No, this is not what this is. I'm not here to put a guilt trip on you like, Jesus paid everything and you have to tell people and if you don't, it's all failing shame and it's your fault. That is not what I'm saying at all. What we have here is Paul describing something to a group of people who would understand military, who would understand soldiers, and what happens to a soldier when they become part of the army. The reason that they would know this is because in that period of time, Rome was everywhere. Roman soldiers were everywhere all the time. So it was a normal thing. You knew what their shoes sounded like coming down the road because you were afraid of them. Because a Roman soldier was the might of Rome. When somebody joined in being a soldier of Rome, they became Rome. They became the person who acts out the mission of Rome. What was the mission of Rome? Does anybody know? conquer, to take over the world. So they're taking over everything and everybody knows when they see a Roman soldier, they know what his mission is. He can't just say, hey, I didn't really feel like taking over anything right now. If they came and said, these are your orders, would a Roman soldier look at him and go, I'm not really feeling it today. Not if he valued his life. So Paul is describing all of this to a people who would know what these terms meant, who would understand what being commissioned meant. So we are commissioned as an ambassador of Christ, not because we're perfect. That's not why, you know, once we become a Christian, how many of you guys know I say this a lot? We don't become special or perfect, right? No, because we're human and we're going to screw up. But it's because we become these ambassadors, not because we're so amazing, because even on our best day, we're still not that amazing. It's because we receive the grace and the reconciliation from Christ that we've been commissioned to become ambassadors. So Paul starts to break it down a little bit more as he goes on. And he describes how in verse 20, he says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So what does this look like for us? Because we're not soldiers in a Roman army taking our vengeance out on the world and conquering everybody. It's not what we do. Like, we're not like, 
believe in Jesus or I shall kill you and your whole tribe. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's really not how it works. Just in case you guys don't go to school tomorrow with a sword. Just saying. Bad things will happen. So what do we do? How do we make this happen? Because we've been talking these past few weeks about taking these dares and being bold enough to share who we are and share our faith. And, and they all kind of, if you haven't noticed, these weeks are building together and they all come together. It's not a, you can do this or you can do this or you can do this. These are things that are all stacking on top of each other to all paint this complete picture. So we're going to live a gospel-centered life and a spirit-empowered life. That's how you work on making God's mission your mission. You let Jesus transform your life from the inside out and then you begin to become okay with your life looking different than other people. You kind of have to because you, you realize that you do look different and that, that's okay. It's okay for you to not be like everybody else, for you to not know all the words to that one song that everybody knows that you know probably isn't the best song for you to be singing anyway. It's okay for you not to know those songs, those lyrics. And if somebody questions that, then you can be like, yeah, I don't listen to that kind of stuff. That's okay. Because we're going to look different. We're going to be different. It's okay to serve people. That's part of, remember we talked a couple weeks ago about the kid who started this Bible club and people took him seriously because he lived out his faith. They knew that he was different. But see, the thing is, if we only do that living, you know, as a servant, if we only do certain things when we a lot of you know that have been, we're walking through this series and there's a book that goes with it called I Dare You. In this book, there's this fantastic quote that I wrote down for you guys just in case you liked it as much as I do. But it says, when we sacrificially serve our friends but do not intentionally share the reason why, the gospel, we, only, we have only won them to ourselves, not to Jesus. We are not the message. Jesus is. So if we decide that we're going to just be a good person and live a good life, then we're leaving something out, right? Because we're not explaining to people why we live this way. So that leads me to the biggest thing that you can do to make God's mission your mission. Everybody go like this. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and use those vocal cords. It's a brilliant thing. So Alexa, again, not the machine, the person, she had this realization. Faith by osmosis does not work. Do you guys know what osmosis is? Yes. Do you guys over here know what osmosis is? <laughs> I like Trevor. Trevor's like, nope. Okay. Osmosis, a process by which molecules of a solvent tend to pass through a semi-permeable membrane from a less concentrated solution into a more concentrated one, thus equalizing concentrations on each side of the membrane. We're not talking about that kind of osmosis. <laughs> the second definition, the process of gradual or unconscious assimilation of ideas, knowledge, etc. Alexa was kind of hoping that by serving and demonstrating the love of Christ to her classmates, that they would get her faith just by being around her. But she started to realize, was that working? No. So there's this movement in evangelism, and evangelism is telling people and sharing your faith. faith. So there's this movement called passive evangelism. 
where it's like, um, make your life a sermon, and if necessary, use words. The problem with that kind of statement is it's very unbiblical to do just that. So Alexa's noticing that she needs to intentionally share, to verbally share. So there's this, instead of on the opposite side of the passive evangelism, would be intentional. I am not talking about standing up on a table in the middle of your cafeteria and going, Jesus saved you're all going to hell. That's a bad idea. Nobody will listen to you. You might end up in detention. I'm just saying. Yes, we don't want to incite riots. Don't incite violence. Anything like that. Don't do it because that is not what I'm talking That's not intentional evangelism. Intentional evangelism means talking to people, sharing your faith, being intentional, steering conversations, building relationships with people, not to use people as a tool for you to check off a box on your list of how to be a good Christian. Because that too is a very bad idea. I'm going to become friends with this person so that I can tell them about Jesus so that they can come and I get a gold star in Sunday school and I get extra points for inviting friends. That's a bad idea. Because do you think that someone will think you're being genuine? No, because I don't even think that's genuine. It's not genuine. But it is genuine when you have compassion for people, when you love them, when you open your mouth and share because you love them, because you want what's best for them. So all throughout the Bible, it talks about intentionality and in sharing. So it talks, and I've been studying Psalms, and I've been finding this fascinating. I have yet to find a place in the Bible where it says, Accept Christ, accept all that God has done for you, live a quiet life, and don't share it with anybody. It doesn't say that anywhere. All throughout the Psalms, you see words like proclaim, shout it out, let the world know, remind, speak it, tell people. These words that are active, verbal words. Because there's another verse that leads into this. I need Miss... Elise, to help me with this one, because it's Romans 10, 13 through 14. It kind of boils it all down really well. And there's a reason why living your faith quietly doesn't work. Okay, Romans 10, 13 through 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Okay, so the good news is, I'm going to need that one to break that down. So the good news is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We all believe that, right? Yay, that's awesome. That's exciting because that's what happened when I called out to Jesus. When I said, you know what, Jesus, I can't do this. He's like, you're right, you can't. You need me. And I said, you're right, I need you. So I asked Christ to be my Savior. He changed my life, but it doesn't stop there because if I know the hope that I have, and the peace that he's given me and the grace that he has given to me and that he still loves me, even though he knows everything that I've ever done, then why am I holding that to myself? Because if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, if that's true, people can't believe. They can't call on the name of the Lord if they don't believe in the Lord. But they can't believe in the Lord if they've never heard about him. How are they going to hear about him if we're not saying anything? If nobody's opening their mouth, they don't hear. 
and they don't know that hope. They don't know that peace. They don't know the grace. They don't know that there's something that can change their life because we're keeping our mouth shut. And there's nothing in the Bible that says that we should do that. So why should we do this outside of people needing grace? I mean, you guys know statistics about suicide and depression and bullying, and there are 5,016 reasons. I know that's a really specific number. There's just lots of reasons why you should be telling this and sharing with people and making it normal and easy, not like standing on a box on a corner shouting it to people, just sharing it with people. Making, bringing it up in conversation. Somebody's having a really hard day, be like, man, I'll be praying for you. I've been there. And here's what helped me. Pull out a scripture verse and say, you know what? This scripture verse right here, that really helps me a lot. And yes, you're going to have people like, yeah, words on a page help you? Yeah, I dare you to give it a try. Because it'll shock you like it shocked me. Because it works. Because Jesus loves you. That's how you bring stuff like that up. Not just like walking with people and like, I'm just going to tell you that Jesus loves here. I mean, sometimes people need to hear that. So be sensitive. Like last week, we talked about spirit-empowered, listening to the spirit of God. If God tells you to do that, do it. Follow his leading. But don't just make that like your everyday go-to. Like form relationships. Be that ambassador. Like building relationships, creating relationships, sharing with people the message that, you know, make God's mission your mission. Let me tell you this story. Um, I, I have this wonderful tribe of friends that um, we actually spend time throughout the week talking about different scriptures that we've read and um, different things like that. And um, they challenge me a lot. And it's awesome. So I was talking with them about this sermon that was coming out. I was like, guys, I'm really excited about this because I think that we all need to be reminded that this isn't really an option. Like this isn't like a, yeah, if you want to tell people about me, go for it. No, in, in multiple places, it says, go, do this, make disciples, tell people about me. It's, it's like an imperative. You must do this. And so I was talking with them. And so one of them this morning sent me this message. And it was a podcast. And she sends me the weirdest podcasts. And I always listen and go, how do you find these? Because that was really good, but really weird. Like you had to be going down some weird rabbit hole to find this one that makes you go, wow, that's awesome. No, she just listens to really cool stuff. So this is a podcast with the Gospel Coalition, and um, which isn't weird, but the guy that's on it is, he is um, ethnically Jewish, but he is an atheist. So a few within two years of his bar mitzvah, he started calling himself an atheist. Not just like, a, I don't believe in God, but like a vehemently opposed to Christianity because they are the cancer that is taking down society type of atheist. And I was like, awesome. Yeah, let's listen to a podcast with that guy. That'd be awesome. Start my day, right? And she's like, just keep listening. So this guy, ethnically Jewish, proclaimed atheist, grew up in New York, went to Ivy League schools. By the time he got his first job at the University of Virginia as a grown man, this is the first time he meets an evangelical Christian for the first time. They're like, there's none in New York. I don't know. <laughs> and he put it a really funny way because he said, um, of course they were there. Evangelical Christians had to have been around me, but they weren't as out as they were at UVA. I've never heard anyone describe it that way. And it really made me laugh for a good long time. Like, like, Ooh, you've been outed as a Christian. That was really funny. Sorry. Maybe you guys didn't find that as funny as I did. But <laughs> it's okay to laugh. 
It's okay. So this guy who's never met Christians, he's meeting them as an adult, and he's got these students who come into his classroom, and um, he's like, boy, there's something different about these guys. And they're like, well, we're Christians. So they talk to him a little bit about it, and he has this to say about them. He said, these students radiated a kind of sweetness, a kind of warmth and gentleness and humility that I hadn't seen before. It was really lovely. And the more he got to know these students, then he was doing this project for his doctoral work where he was doing a class on the moral compass. And so he had to visit different churches and different religions in the area. And all of the evangelical churches that he visited had that same warmth and had that same compassion. And he began to have his mind changed. And he said, um, several things changed my mind, not to convert to Christianity, this guy's still an atheist, but to drop my hostility toward it. And now, this is what amazes me, this guy will now go to Christian colleges and universities he goes to Christian organizations and he talks with them about the importance of them sharing their faith. Let's remind ourselves. This is a guy who is Jewish, atheist, telling Christians why it is important for them to share their faith. He said, the world needs what you have. And if you stand by it and you share that hope that's inside of you, it changes people. And I've watched that. And I'm not saying that I completely agree with you. I don't, in fact. But you have a warmth in you. And when you share this with people, I've seen it change their lives. Yeah, he's on my prayer list now because I'm like, dude, he can see it change other people and be okay with that, but he doesn't quite accept it yet himself. But this is why we do this. For people like him, and for the people like him that you go to school with, that you may have in your family, that you may have surrounding you, that you may have in your neighborhood. Because when we build these relationships, when we... When we live out gospel-centered lives when we're spirit-led and when we take God's mission to be our mission, then it can change the things around us. It changes people's lives. But how can they believe in him if they haven't heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? So my dare for you this week is to make God's mission your mission. Because if you truly believe that Jesus Christ has saved your life, then now you have orders, soldier. And you've been commissioned as an ambassador, which is pretty sweet. And, and I'm not saying do this because you need to do certain things to be a good little Christian. No. You do it because you love God and because God changed you and you love your friends. You love your neighbors because you want to see good things happen in their lives too. You want to see their hurt be able to be taken away. That's why you do that. So we're going to split up into our small groups, and we're going to kind of like talk this out, see what's going on, and figure out, do you know what God's mission is? Yeah, you sat through this, but can you tell somebody what the mission of God is? What does it mean to make God's mission your mission? We're going to break some of that out. And then at the end, I dare you to talk with each other and be honest and find out some ways that you can be intentional with sharing your faith. Because guess what? It's not something that you do just by yourself. It's things that we all do together. So go find your groups and we'll meet back in a few minutes.